Today is Thursday, August 20th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 371 featuring Yahoo Sports NBA writer Ben Rohrbach is powered by BetOnline.ag and Manscaped. Go to BetOnline.ag today for your free sign-up bonus and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BEAT20 at Manscaped.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Another new edition of Celtics Beat here on a Thursday, and this is fun, isn't it? Celtics (laughs) 2-0 commanding lead, at least it feels like it so far, on the Sixers in the opening round of the playoffs. I am Adam Kaufman. Let us welcome in the other voices you will hear throughout this next little while. Ben Rohrbach, Yahoo Sports, as well as, of course, Evan Valenti, producer, sometimes host of this program. Fellas, what's going on? Not a whole lot. Just enjoying the games every day, all day. I'm enjoying Ben's. Huh? I'm enjoying Ben's artwork in the background. <laughs> talked about pre pre recording. It's an yeah. excellent excellent uh, mural you got going on behind you, Ben. Yeah, yeah. It expands every week. It's my <laughs> daughter scribbles and draws caterpillars and all that. Yeah, for those who uh, are obviously watching the video, you can see the artwork behind <laughs> Ben. If you're just listening on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're finding us, it is. Uh, Basically, it's home arts and crafts is what we've got going on, which I think a lot of people during this pandemic can relate to. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about this with Abby Chin last week. This this series for me is affectionately known as, you know, if it were football, be it college or professional, this is the Al Horford Bowl. And uh, poor Al, I guess, I don't feel badly for him at all, but poor Al is uh, sitting there coming off the bench on the losing side while the new rejuvenated United, albeit still somewhat injury plagued. We'll get to the Gordon Hayward injury, but this Celtics team is just, it's two games and especially in game two, but locked in Ben blowout last night, roughly a 30 point win contributions from everywhere. The bench was fantastic. Jason Tatum is quite literally and statistically getting better by the game. It is not taking away from the performances of Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker. I mean, we joke about it every week, but pretty soon it's going to be real. If this continues, we might have to have that virtual duck boat parade. (laughs) Yeah, it's been great. I mean, they, they have played really well. It's kind of hard to tell because Philadelphia's played equally as bad or, it seems like they're just ready to go home. So it's it's hard to tell. And I, we'll get into the Hayward thing later. And I think that will be having more of an impact like in the second round, but it certainly seems like they're, they should coast through this series. I was going to save this until the very end of our conversation, but you alluded to it right there. So I think it's important to hit on. Maybe it is true the Sixers, you know, no Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid's not 100%. The guys aren't clicking. There is that element of do they just want to go home? You can't help but ask that when a team falls behind in a series. Like if if a team in a normal year were down, I don't know, 2-0, 3-1, whatever, you wouldn't count out their ability to come back. You'd say, ah, you know, go get some games at home, the travel, home cooking, home fans, whatever the advantage, they can rally. They can turn things around. They're motivated. Well, this is not normal. This is, we we talk about this all the time to the point where I realize it's kind of cliche, but it's true in a bubble environment in Orlando where at least right now, friends and family are not there. It is just 
you know, very small groups per team, all these hotels kind of staying together. There is that element of who wants to stay, who wants to fight, who wants that Larry O'Brien trophy, and who doesn't? Who doesn't care enough? Who just wants to go home? Who isn't into August and September playoff basketball? Which is why I believe firmly one of the favorites, whether it's the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks. I don't think they're going to win the championship. I think it's going to be, and that doesn't automatically mean, hey, it's going to be the Celtics total homer over here as much as I think the Seas have a chance. I think it's going to be one of those teams that we're not talking as much about because I think that mental approach to what this all is is just so incredibly important this year. Mm-hmm. I agree. As it pertains to this particular series, I think some – I forget who mentioned it on the broadcast last night, but um, it was a great point just – down 2-0, normally you're, the Sixers would be going home. You know, they're going to be juiced by their fans. They have that whole uh, narrative where, like, until you lose a home game, you're still in the series or whatever. But that's just totally gone. And this is just what is what it is. <laughs> this just is what it is. You got beat twice. There's no, like, uh, reason for optimism other than, Hey, if we win game three, maybe, you know, maybe we're back in the series, but it just, it seems like there's no, you know, reinvigoration for, for the Sixers in this series. And I agree with the larger point, like um, I'm sure we'll talk about the Raptors, but the the Raptors strike me as a team who like, it's these teams that are well coached. They know who they are and um, they play super together. And that's, you know, the Raptors have, been probably the best at that in the bubble, but the Celtics certainly fall into that category too. One of the things I said last, well, one of the things I said last week about, and we said with Abby Chin that I was a little worried about with Philadelphia because they couldn't, as you said, you can't, you can't get that juice from your home crowd to really get you going is who on their team provides the energy that they need to, to come back from something like this, right? Because you look at the Celtics, I mean, Marcus Smart's the obvious character you're going to pick for that, right? It's, you know, he, as soon as he hits the floor, there's automatic energy. It doesn't matter whether it's starting or he comes off the bench. But you look at the Sixers last night, I mean, they, you know, they, they had a great first quarter. They shot, they what, shot 78% from the field in the first quarter. You're like, oh, they're coming out. They, there's mm-hmm. some purpose there. But you know the Celtics are going to make a run. They did. You know, they, you know, Tatum had his own little run. Kemba had flashes. You know, Jalen would take over at points. And then all of a sudden it's a, you know, 10 to 15 point game and there's no energy on the bench. And where does that energy come from? It's not going to be Joel Embiid. It's not going to be Al Horford. He's never been that guy, right? It's not going to be Matisse Thibel. He's a rookie. That's not how this works. You know, Tobias Harris is a really quiet guy. Was it going to be Shake Milton or, or Josh Richardson? <laughs> or is it going to be Br- that whole team hates Brett Brown? At least it looks like they do. So. <laughs> Like, where does that energy come from? And it, and and now, and as you mentioned, that you're down two nothing in a bubble where you can't get that juice. Like, I, I don't, I hate doing this because it's, it, you know these are professional players. Anything can happen in a series. But just by looking at the body language on the other side of the floor, there, uh, it doesn't look pretty for Philadelphia. This this might be a, a a quick four and out series here for Philly. That's not how they pictured this season going at all. Yeah, what Evan's telling you is the series is over. It's done. <laughs> well, I, I, said, I said season five, so I'm not saying that I didn't see this coming, but this yeah. is a little different, I think. It, does, it certainly feels that way, and it's like Embiid is sort of a classic example. It's like his like body language is uh, indicative of like the series as a whole. Like he, he comes out like I'm going to dominate this game, and then by like the second quarter, he's like either too tired or he's just like resigned to the fact that 
the Celtics are better a better team than the Sixers, and he's just sort of loses focus, and then it's, it's all done. That's what it feels like. It's going to be every game for the rest of the series. It's easy to say Jason Tatum. Simple two-word answer, but I want more than that. What has impressed you most about the Celtics in this series so far? I think just the way they've been able to survive those bench minutes. Um, like Cantor has actually held up pretty well against Embiid. I mean, he hasn't been great, but like it hasn't been a disaster. Um, Wanamaker's looked pretty good. Uh, He's a leader. You listen to Kemba Walker, he's a leader on the team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Grant Williams actually had like a a little nice stretch in game two. Um, They're going to really need those guys with Hayward out. So it's been at least encouraging for through two games. Is it so matter-of-factly clear to you, despite the talent of Joel Embiid individually on the other side? And I I had had the Celtics in six simply because I figured, hey, Cs are going to win the series, but there are going to be a couple – of Joel Embiid games and and it's just going to be too much. And so ultimately sees will prevail, but you know, obviously as Evan noted, it doesn't look like this is going to be much of a fight at all in this series, at least if things keep going this way, because there is no travel. Hey, game three, you're still in Orlando. (laughs) You're still in the bubble. Is it so incredibly clear Jason Tatum is the best individual talent within this series? Uh, I I mean, it's it's certainly becoming clear. You would, you, I guess you would say, you would have said Embiid, like, can be the most dominant, but it's pretty clear. Like, Embiid relies on – needs to rely on his teammates to sort of set him up, and they don't have their best, like, table setter. And I don't know if you saw that, like, Josh Richardson entry pass that – was like so off that the Celtics just stole it. And, and you could just see on Embiid's face. He was just like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> what now? What do I do now? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and t- but Tatum, he doesn't need that. He, he's like an offense unto himself. But last night they were just setting like one screen. He comes around and he pulls up, <laughs> drills a, a three or, uh, you know, drives and creates, but, um, but, yeah, so, I, I I mean, short answer, <laughs> yes, it seems like he's clearly the best player in this series. Yeah, I don't think it's, like, remarkable. It's just effort, right? Like, being consistent every night and consistent from quarter to quarter. You know what you're getting with Jason Tatum as soon as he hits the floor. Again, you talked about the shot creation, the defense, the vision now. Like, the, we're starting to see some really excellent, you know, passes, whether it's on the fast break or in the half court. Seen some really excellent stuff out of Tatum. The defense is just spectacular on his part. But it's the consistency, right? That's what makes – a good player, a great player, right? The mm-hmm. consistency that that person shows. And Embiid, you know, he comes out in the first quarter, and, you know, I was sitting there with my friends last night watching the game, and, every, you know, my friends are getting nervous. Like, oh, man, Embiid's really killing us tonight. And I'm like, well, wait a minute here. It's only the first quarter. You tell me, <laughs> yeah. wait till the fourth quarter to see if he's doing this stuff because right. he's, he comes in and he flows in and out of games. He starts and it, he takes a good approach. Like, that's exactly how to start the game. Embiid, feed, feed the beast, you know, get some easy points, get him feel good about himself. But in the fourth quarter, that effort's not there. And with Tatum, that effort never stops. And that's the difference between the two guys right now. It really is. Because the NBA is as talented as anybody that you can yeah, you'll put on the floor. And you you see some he does stuff that nobody else can do. I mean he's For d- sure. last night he had a 
like a stop, like up and under. And just because he's so long, he can still go up and under and, 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 you know, flip it up for two points. Like how many bigs can do that? Two, maybe like not (laughs) that many, but then you watch him, he'll fumble an entry pass or he won't move on defense. And it's just, it's, you know, with Tatum, you don't have to worry about that stuff. You know, he's engaged every minute, every second when he's on the floor. Mm -hmm. And Jalen's like, you know, one B to him right, or whatever. Right. Like Jalen sort of t- turned that game, that game two around where he, you know, he, you could tell he was just super engaged on defense and it sort of rallied everybody to, to sort of lock in um, when they made that run, I guess it was like end of first quarter, beginning of the second quarter. Um, he was just like super locked in and he, there was that one play where he had, he missed two shots. He missed that corner three, and then he just beat everybody on the Sixers back to the ball and got an easy layup. Um, so he, it's like they have Tatum, and but then you can't you can't ignore Jalen Brown on on the Sixers. Who's you know who's going to hurt you besides Embiid? Yeah, Josh Richardson or Tobias Harris. They've been like pretty bad. We'll get back with Ben and Evan in just a second. Want to tell you, of course, live sports are back. It's very possible we may see an NBA playoff matchup between the Clippers and the Nuggets, which is why our partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure your Nuggets are as safe as possible when that matchup happens. You know, I deliberately waited before reading this ad. I wanted to do it live just so I can get all of these jokes authentically when I hit them the first time. Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. The Lawnmower 3.0, it's the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade skin-safe technology, your snags will be reduced. They actually just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit. That does not sound like something you want to let near your lower half. Shears 2.0 nail kit. But even still... It does the trick. It's the perfect add-on to the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0, it's a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools. It includes slashed-tipped tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium-grit nail file as well. And the perfect package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower waterproof cordless body trimmer that's right go at yourself in the shower performance boxer briefs and a travel bag for you to use when you're doing your quarantining the perfect package 3.0 it also comes with the crop preserver and crop reviver i feel like i just needed to insert a pause there get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code beat 20 at manscape.com Maybe it's for Celtics beat, maybe uh, something else. Get 20% off free shipping with the code BEAT20 at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code BEAT20. Take your grooming game to the next level. So uh, speaking of going to the next level, Ben, as we welcome back Ben and Evan, Something that it's hard to follow that, but something that has uh, possible to follow. Yeah, it's it's something that's really been on my mind for this. This is not I don't know how much this is talked about on a national and local radio level. I imagine a lot, but something that we have been talking about harping about on this program since minute one that Kemba Walker was signed is obviously the difference between Kemba Walker and Kyrie Irving and it quite frankly, I like, and this is not going to turn into a Kyrie bashing show. It would, we just don't really have the time to do it. I but might. the thing that I really appreciate is that these younger players on Boston who were here last year, 
are still being asked about just what last year was like, even now in the playoffs, as it relates to the comparisons, Kyrie versus Kemba, even when specifically the name Kyrie Irving is not being dropped in these questions because it would just be too obvious. But you had after game two, Jason Tatum asked again, these guys have been asked about this. Jalen Brown has been asked about this. How easy is it? How beneficial is it? Having a guy like Kemba Walker leading your team, he is the head of the snake, but he isn't someone that is worried about the attention, the accolades, the points, the production. He's a proven all-star, 20-point-per-game guy, but he isn't someone that needs that ego fed, basically. And Tatum's answer, just to paraphrase, was, it's great. If he has a good game, awesome. If he has a bad game, whatever. As long as we win, he is smiling. That is the most important thing in the world to Kemba Walker. Now coming here to Boston after all those years with the Hornets, he just wants to win. And it really is. It's a night and day experience last year versus this year in terms of the continuity of this group, the emotion around this group, the happiness around this team. And uh, I just think that you know, Kemba Walker's role, not even just as a player, but as a person, is not celebrated enough externally. I agree. I mean, it's, it's so clear. There's a couple things um, that stand out from that point. Um, just there's no way Kyrie would let Tatum be the focal point that he's become. There's just no way. <laughs> like, no. That doesn't happen None. if Kyrie's here. Um and then I forget who who tweeted. I think it was Brian Robb last night, probably Celtics beat rival. <laughs> no, nah, we're all one happy. <laughs> he was on the show two weeks ago. Yeah, he's oh, part right, of the CLNS right. media family. All right, that's true. That's true. Podcast to plug. That's true. Um, but uh, just that play last night where I think Kemba got his shot blocked by Embiid, turned into a transition opportunity for the Sixers. And all of a sudden you see Kemba just sprinting back and he knocks the ball loose from uh, from Embiid, I think, again, and turned around and got a bucket. But it was just like, I think B-Rob tweeted something like, you know, juxtapose that with like Kyrie's defense in the second round against the Bucks last year. Yeah. And it's like, it's just the, he's fully engaged. And as you said, like, you can see it on his face. He's, He's just really enjoying being around this team and and winning playoff games. Um, it's just it's really nice to see. And, and uh, you know, you could it was palpable earlier in the season. Obviously, I'm not in the bubble, but um, but it's like you can hear it in their voices. It's just a whole new whole new game. You know, I I never really thought about this until just now. You guys tell me if I'm off base here, but maybe there's something to it. You know, all those years in LeBron's shadow, Kyrie Irving so desperately wanted to be the man. He wanted to be the guy. People know that it's been talked about. But he came to Boston. It was like, this is my team. I am that guy. And as a result, everybody else drowned in his shadow, essentially. And Kemba Walker, it's it's really the opposite. Yeah, I mean, he was the leader on a lot of bad teams, you know, a lot of teams that missed the playoffs. But even though he was an inferior statistical player and talent to Kyrie Irving, it was still, those were his teams. He was the leader. He was the guy. And in, I think a certain way, Ben, he's kind of rejuvenated coming to Boston, knowing that I can still put up my 20. I can still be an all-star. I can still take over a game. I can still meet with the media every day, but I don't have to be the guy. And some of that is obviously maturity. He's a few more 
a few years deeper into his NBA career, but a lot of it is just personality. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's, it's that role reversal where he's been versus where he's from or where he's, you know, at now and, and sort of the backstory there, Irving versus Walker. It's very different. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, I think he's been pretty upfront about, um, you know, just, he want, really wanted to be part of a winning culture. And a lot of guys say, you know, I don't really care about the stats or whatever, as long as we're winning, but with him, it, it really feels everything he says feels genuine, but that really does feel genuine when he says like, it doesn't really matter how, like how many points I get or whatever. I'm just happy to, to be a part of a a winning team. And uh, yeah, so I guess, you know, their lived experiences just really impacted, you know, their approach to joining the Celtics. And that makes complete sense. Seems to be really happy too, Evan, just, helping them along to the next phase of their career. You know, these are two guys that, you know, we saw the talent throughout their, the early parts of their careers, still very early in their careers, but thinking back to specifically when Irving was here versus pre Walker, but you know, they have clearly so clearly taken that next leap, you know, Brown started to toward the end of last year, Tatum, as we know, his sophomore year was not what his freshman year was in the NBA, but now year three, these guys have both Jalen cash is in, and he has only gotten better. Tatum is going to get that max level deal. And he is, I mean, people are talking about him as never mind star, superstar level player. And it's not just the national pundits, former players, whomever else. I mean, Kemba Walker saying as recently as after yesterday's game, these guys are superstars. And I think there's a certain level of pride that Walker takes in being someone that is helping them get to the next stage of their careers. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's a it's like a it's a mentality, right? So, I I am trying to try not to slander Kyrie here. I'm gonna try and just focus mostly. Why we do it all the time? <laughs> I'm gonna try and focus mostly on Kemba because what Kemba has realized, and this is a great, and again, Kemba's been the guy. I mean, I would assume back to his days, you know, in high school when he was playing. I'm pretty. I have no idea about his high school accolades, but I'm sure he played in the Bronx and was a superstar. Mm-hmm. Goes to UConn, has the incredible run where he's literally the focal point of every offensive opportunity that UConn has during the East tournament, during the NCAA tournament. Goes to Charlotte, you know, at first was trying to figure out his way, and you heard if you heard the podcast with uh, uh, what's the R two C two on the Ringer, right? Yeah. Where they had him on. Yeah, we talked, talked about, about considering the Knicks in free agency. Yeah, <laughs> tough shot there, but uh, yeah, good decision. Yeah, did all right, but he talked about how. Um, you know, in, in Charlotte, he was trying to feel his way. Then he talked to, you know, Michael and Michael was like, no, I brought you here to be Kemba Walker. And so, you know, he took upon himself to be more of a leader. Um, and was the man on all these Charlotte teams that went nowhere, right? Didn't go anywhere. I think Kemba, there's certain humility that comes with this, but Kemba realized like, I'm not going to win a title, which is the ultimate goal here, right? I'm not going to win a championship unless Jalen and Jason kind of help me out. And his reluctance to Tatum and to both Tatum and Brown um, makes his team go. I mean, it really does. It, you know, you have, you know, Tatum is just every game. You just you kind of fawn over the this the stuff that he can do on the offensive end. It just you just laugh like the sidestep or the you know the step back sidestep three that he's got in his back pocket that he pulls out at three or four times a game and hits you know fifty percent of them. You just sit there and laugh and the turnaround fadeaways and all that stuff. And you have Jalen who provides so much stability in times where you need a clutch bucket it's just like oh just get the ball to Jalen he'll hit he'll he'll find an opportunity that goes to the basket or he hits, hits one open three um 
Kemba realizing that those two guys, if I don't have those two guys engaged and I don't have those two guys, you know, playing at a, at a all-star, you know, you know, all NBA sort of level, then I'm not going to win anything. And, you know, Kemba, the one thing that he, that I was concerned about in the bubble leading up to these games was can Kemba figure out where, where he needs to be aggressive and figure out where he needs to lay out. And that's going to take just, you know, playing with Jason and Jalen again. And it seems like they've kind of figured it out. Cause like last night you saw, you know, a couple opportunities work. And this is how I know Kemba's sort of back to being Kemba where he gets that pick and roll opportunity where he starts driving to the basket and pulls up for about 15. Like that's Kemba Walker's sweet spot. And it's been his sweet spot since college. Okay. He's pretty much automatic there. So finding times like, okay, we're a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a rut right now. Like in the, in the middle of the first quarter, I think he had a little bit of this. We're a little bit of a rut right now. Um, you know, you know, Philly's making everything, even though we're competing on the defensive end of the floor. And I need to just stabilize us a little bit offensively. And he did a couple, you know, calls the number a couple of times. And all of a sudden, you know, the Southern's, you know, explode to a 27 point win over the hell it was over Philadelphia. And you're like, all right, yeah, feeling good about our prospects. And Kemba, you know, touting both Jalen and Jason in the post game, being like, yeah, those two guys are unbelievable. It makes my job a lot easier. Just brings the, the vibe to where you want it to be with this crew. Just the, the, the chemistry, the vibe around this, this particular team was so much different than it was last year. And you watch Philly on the other side, and it reminds you of last year's Celtics, and you're like, yeah, I don't miss that at all whatsoever. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, Kemba, I think he did that in the third quarter too, where, you know, the – it might have been like the lead was like eleven or something, or maybe got to nine. I, I forget, but um, but he he came off the bench and um, you know he took I think the first two or three shots and knocked him down. And it's like his game is perfectly suited for the Sixers team because <laughs> when they do the uh, pick and roll, like Embiid just drops way back. And like that whole middle of the floor is open, so he can just hit that easy jumper. Um, it's great. But uh, even beyond Jason and Jalen, um, I don't think it's talked about enough that he like adopted Grant Williams for the, right. for the quarantine. Yeah. Like that just shows you. Yeah. Um, I mean, who else? <laughs> I hadn't heard anybody else do anything like that. Like, oh, was, across the league. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's incredible. That's just like. Yeah, he just like found a workout buddy, and it was the rookie on the team. It's, it's crazy. Well, I, I don't think there's like if you talk to anybody that's covered basketball, you know, at Kemba's level, or it's college basketball, or it's the pros. Like, I don't know a single person that has a negative story about Kemba Walker at all. <laughs> true, like, yeah. there's not no. one. And, I, and it's just again, you talk about him adopting Grant Williams. It's just the kind of guy he is. He's just a really he's a great teammate, and that's what you need. Uh, when you have a lot of talent like the Celtics have, you need good teammates that know. Um, and it's like, I think Nick Wright said this about LeBron yesterday. And, you know, Nick Wright has his you know own opinions about a lot of things. But <laughs> he's one very of the, anti-Celtics. The, one yeah. of the things that I think he's correct about is, you know, LeBron understands that they're not going to win a title if LeBron's, you know, scoring 50 points a game and trying to carry them every night. No, he needs, like, Davis. He needs Kuzma. He needs, you know, Danny Green to hit shots. And he's not going to win a – you know, if, if you know, Danny Green's going 0 for 8 from three-point range, like, they're they're totally – they might beat the Blazers, but they're not going to beat the Clippers with that kind of effort. So, you know, getting the ball around to his teammates, getting his teammates involved, you know, is, is a way to win. Like, making sure they're engaged is a way to win. And Kemba, you know, just keeps – I mean, everybody keeps everybody engaged in this team. It's the best part about this team is everybody's locked in. 
the same time. So you don't have to worry about that. And Kemba seems like the perfect fit for a team that just has a ton of talent on it and doesn't care. Like, I don't care if I have two points or 20. Like, if we get the W, who cares? Like, I don't, it doesn't matter. There are points in time that, uh, if you follow Ben on Twitter, that his Twitter account will become a uh, kind of a tribute to Nick Wright's terrible take. <laughs> it was but, at one point, he wrote an article, and it was like one yeah. of my favorite articles of a long time. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was just, he was, he's been wrong about Tatum like literally every time. Every step. Yeah. <laughs> every step of his career, he's been wrong about. The, uh, I think the only thing that, you know, we all left out in this Kyrie versus Kemba discussion, and look, Kyrie has done a lot of great things as recently as during this pandemic for, you know, the Black Lives Matter, for obviously donating a, a whole ton of money, whether it's creating funds related to the WNBA players not playing or whether it's, um, you know, building obviously uh, awareness for social injustices. So this is, this is not all intended to just crap on Kyrie, but obviously we know what the experience was in Boston. We're able to separate those two things. So this being the last uh, negative thing that I say today about Kyrie in this comparison is he's also won a championship and he hit the biggest shot, maybe in NBA finals history. Whereas Kemba Walker is, you know, that's the carrot that he is still chasing. So I just think, and this is not a new take by any stretch. We've said this before. Others have as well. I just don't think winning is the most important thing in the world to Kyrie Irving. And it, you know, if it ever has been, it hasn't been in a while. And it certainly wasn't during his time in Boston and isn't now probably in his time in Brooklyn with Kevin Durant when they're healthy next year. So, that's another big difference as it relates to just what Kemba Walker is attempting to do here in Boston, but it's going to be a tougher road. There's no doubt about it. I don't think I'm one of those people that is a big believer in Gordon Hayward, at least when he's right, when he's healthy, which he was before this, you know, another freak ankle injury, not the one that he shattered a few years ago, but this is the right ankle, but he's out at least a month. I wouldn't be surprised if he's done for the bubble, given the just, Obviously, they need to go a couple rounds without him. That's for one with this injury. Also, he has a new kid coming very soon. He was going to leave the bubble anyway to go and be with his family, which is understandable. So we may not see him again this year in the Celtics uniform. And we may not see him again in the Celtics uniform ever, quite frankly, given his contract situation. And that's a conversation for another day. But what does this road, despite what we saw, Ben, in game two, what does this road look like with Gordon Hayward? How devastating a loss is this? Is it as substantial as Danny Ainge at least said on the radio that it is? Or do you feel like you saw enough in this sort of perfect world fit of 48 minutes yesterday that is <laughs> this is going to carry on? I, I, would, I would be really worried about the Raptors. That's where having that third wing – who can do anything on the court um, is really huge because that is what the Raptors do. And the Celtics could meet them head on and maybe even have an advantage in that department. But um, so that, that's a huge loss. I think maybe against the Raptors than any other team. And it's just unfortunate that that's going to be their Second round opponent, if uh, both teams advance, I mean, certainly looks like they I think will. You can chalk it up. Toronto's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can you can do that right now. I think. Right, right. So, yeah, I can actually or source drop a little bit, but I was talking to somebody um, close to Hayward last night actually because I emailed after the injury. I was just like, 
you know, that just sucks. <laughs> you know, yeah. like every time he's like starting to play well again, he gets hurt. But um, they said that he felt like he was really, he felt like he was playing like as close to optimal as he could have been. Um, they dropped some stat that was like, he put up numbers this year that were better than anybody else in history based on his usage rate. So Hmm. he was just basically one of the most efficient people in his role that he could have been. Um, And yeah, that, you know, he's obviously disappointed, but, um, but he, they say he's trying like hell to, to get back as soon as possible. It's just, um, whether they can survive that Toronto series, which obviously he won't be there for. Yeah, Brad Stevens has called it aggressive treatment inside the bubble. He's still there with the team. He was at the arena watching game two. We'll see what the future holds. But for the uh, present with game three on the way tomorrow, obviously, as we chat right now, this has been fun so far. Ben Rohrbach from uh, Yahoo Sports, NBA writer, does a lot of great work. You should give him a follow on Twitter. You know, watch everything that he's doing, not just when he appears on this show, as he is kind enough to do regularly. But we appreciate you hopping on, man. Hopefully all is well and family and everyone staying safe. Yeah, same same to you. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, we'll definitely do it again as the playoffs move along. I want to also mention, before we do bring in one more guest before we get out of here, that, uh, of course, there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive betting partner that is Bet Online. Sports making their way back. First, it was UFC, NASCAR, soccer, PGA. Well, now, of course, as we know, we've got NHL, NBA playoffs. Of course, Major League Baseball is happening. NFL, not far away. Bet Online has all the best odds for the upcoming matches this weekend. NBA Futures, Lakers plus 285, Clippers plus 310, the Bucks at plus 325. These are the favorites to win the title. For me, if I were doing it, I'd put my money on a team like the Celtics. Longer odds, plus 1,200, the Raptors plus 1,000, even the Rockets. What are the Blazers at with Dame Lillard and what they're doing? Could they upset the Lakers? You know, bubble life, it's a different life, folks. And if you need more even beyond that, Bet Online has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every day live for you to check out. If you're looking for something else other than sports, that's fine. Bet Online has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, all the best props in the business. Just visit betonline.ag or use your mobile device. Join now to receive your new welcome bonus. Start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So with all that, we say goodbye to Ben. We thank him for his time and we welcome in a buddy of mine who uh, if you're watching, if you're, if you're tuning into the video, you can see that bleeping and grin on his face, getting ready to just crap all over our beloved Boston Celtics. My my friend, make sure that we can hear you as well. Make sure you're not muted. He's got a uh, a great Celtics hat as well. Phenomenal. He's meeting he's meeting Evan here for the first time. And uh Seth Landman's his name. He actually back in another lifetime wrote fantasy basketball for ESPN, other outlets as well. How are you, buddy? Doing all right. How are you? I'm good. So I know you couldn't hear our conversation with Ben. Yeah. But uh, he, like us, more pro Gordon Hayward than you are. I want to... uh... By the way, I'm offended at the idea that I'm going (laughs) to crap all over the Celtics. This is like the best thing in my life right now. (laughs) I want... Yeah, that's very... He means that sincerely with every fiber of his being. I want you to know 
Uh, Evan, these are just a, a sample of some of the texts that I get from Seth during a Celtics game. Prompted, by the way. He just starts, and I love it. I want him to keep doing it. He'll just start texting. He'll say, if we don't stop reaching in on Embiid, I'm going to light myself on fire. <laughs> yeah, this is really tame. Good. Yeah. Uh, Level-headed yeah, stuff. It's, yeah, it's really, really well balanced. Um Let's see some some of his other hot takes here. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. Javante Green should get the bulk of the extra minutes. Want to see what Brad does? I don't but, agree with this anymore. I changed. Okay, <laughs> Green well, has. You and Bill Simmons rating. were in a similar uh, similar category there. Although yeah. he kept calling him Jamichael Green instead of Javante Green. Yeah, <laughs> says a grown ass man who's good at basketball. Gordon Hayward and the Memphis pick for. Aaron Gordon and Al Farouk Aminu, this is my plan. So these, these are these are just some of the uh, some of the takes you're that really my guy Landon here will spit here, at me man. during a game. I I just want to know. I I want to tell you this, and then I'm going to stop talking, and I'm going to let you go. Danny Ainge here uh, on Tetra and Rich, 98.5 The Sports Hub. He said, "I quote: The Gordon injury is devastating to us. I'm not sure the average fan." understands how important he is just because Jalen and Jason are really coming into their own. Kemba has had his unbelievable moments this year. Gordon is a facilitator. He is our most efficient offensive player, but he doesn't have the same kind of usage that these other guys have. He's very unselfish, yet he's capable of taking games over at times when we need it. The guys are resting. He has been a leader in our group, bench group. Oftentimes it's crushing for him, really hurts our team. Don't know how long he'll be out. He's trying to come back, blah, 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 blah. But these are basically some of the things that I have texted you. Even before Danny's comments, I, I really parroted a lot of those things. And uh, you and I were just not on the same page with it. You think this team can thrive without Gordon Hayward. Yeah, I don't think they're better without Gordon Hayward. But I do think they can survive. I, I agree with what Ainge said. The thing that Hayward brings to this team that they're missing is passing. Um, traditionally, like all season, that's the thing he provides. I think, though, that over the last few weeks, months, Hayward and Brown, uh, sorry, Tatum and Brown have really made us taken steps forward as passers. Um, and Smart's a great passer. I think Tice is a good passer. I think the ball is moving really well. And one of the things that jumped out at me last night is just the fact that Robert Williams and Grant Williams can both really pass the ball too. So I think like as these guys improve, the thing that they needed Hayward for has become less essential to them as a team. And I like defensively Hayward's good, but um, like having Grant Williams out there last night, being able to switch onto Embiid um, the Celtics are so good at getting guys out of these terrible matchups they get in with the switching. Grant Williams is great at that. And he's a great passer too. So I just think, like, I think they lose a lot losing Hayward, but I think the team is ready to, like, step up around that. But we know, like, we're not going to get, I I don't think, (laughs) uh, you know, regularly 30 points out of Jason Tatum every single game, unless he's pre-pandemic self still, and this just continues on throughout the postseason. We're not going to get, you know. (laughs) I do. I think he averages 30 a game. What's that? He's going to average 30 a game. I'm yeah, he probably is. Just put him in the Hall of Fame now. We, we have no reason to believe that Jalen Brown's not going to continue to give you 20 per. He, he did it throughout so much of the season. Kemba should, but obviously guys do have off nights. And it seemed like whenever someone had an off night, that was when Gordon did step up and give you those 25 to 30 points that he was capable of chipping in. Hell, he averaged almost 18. When, when there is that down game, when two of those three guys don't show up, 
you know, Hayward was the potential saving grace to prevent that from being a loss. Who's going to be that guy, especially as you get into the next round? Because as far as I'm concerned, this particular series is done. Yeah, I mean, it's a concern. Like, I think if two of the three guys you mentioned have a bad night, they're they're probably not equipped to win a game. Um, but having four guys who can create shots off the dribble is a luxury. Um, I think having three is plenty. And and frankly, I think Marcus Smart is pretty good when he gets in the lane too. Um, I know he misses a lot of shots and he's been extremely cold through two games, but um, I just think like the the evidence that we've seen so far shows that they're generating offense just fine without Hayward. Um, I don't like, you know, they won game one without anybody getting, besides Tatum getting particularly hot until the end. They didn't shoot well as a team in game one. Um, it, it's just encouraging to me that they can grind out those wins. I mean, they also have a really good defense. So uh, that I don't think gets worse when you lose Hayward. Um, the so one that- thing I'll, I'll pair it and I'll piggyback off Seth here is like the, the playmaking that we've seen, the vision we've seen from Tatum and Brown um, over the, over the, the bubble has been really impressive. I mean, Tatum had a couple of passes last night that were really unbelievable. And, you know, Brown has had a couple in transition that you'd make you fall out of your chair. Um, but the one thing they'll miss with Hayward and I, you know, the defensive stuff, I think they can make do because they're a defensive team at, at their core. The one thing that they'll miss is the shooting that Hayward gives you, at least the shooting, the floor spacing. Like as much as I loved Grant Williams last night, he's not going to hit, you know, hundred percent of his threes. He's just no. not. You have more evidence that he's not going to do that than he is. You know, Enos Canner hit a three last night at the end of the shot clock. You know, they're going to miss that shooting. And, and, you know, as much as you want to say Grant's going to space the floor, he's going to be given that shot. I mean, there, we've seen the evidence. Embiid, um, and the rest of the bigs are going to give Grant Williams and Daniel Tice those threes. They're going to say, well, look, if they're going to hit threes, we're going to, we're sunk. We're done. Uh, we can't yeah. let. We can't let Tatum shoot. We can't let Kemba shoot. We can't let Brown shoot. But if, if Grant Williams burns us from the corner, I mean, we're going to have to live with that. So um, the, the the Gordon Hayward shooting aspect, whether it's in the mid-range or from three-point range, is where you're going to really miss him. Um, and Boston's got to figure – like Marcus Smart getting hot from three would be – you know, he is the all-time leading, you know, uh, three-point shooter in a game for the Celtics in the history of the team. So it's not like he can get <laughs> hot from three either. Um, but they're going to need somebody to fill that void, and, and whether it's, you know, Romeo once or twice or if it's – or if it's, you know, Grant last night, or if it's, you know, smart heating up or whatever, somebody's got to fill that. And I'm not quite sure where that comes from. That's my only concern. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, like Hayward brings like a certain amount of like gravity. Teams are a little worried about him and they're not worried about Grant Williams and Tice in the same way. Um, But so I, I do think those guys just need to shoot though. And what I was encouraged with Grant last night that he, He's like pulling the trigger without hesitating. Not and like Tice. Tice. Tice needs me. to do the Tice same. Tice killed thing. me last night. He's yeah. Killing me. He, he can't have those moments where he like the Celtics whole offense is based on making quick decisions, and you just can't have these moments where you hesitate before you take a wide open shot like that. So Seth, why do you hate Gordon Hayward so much I, and want Danny to get rid of him this off season? I okay. So the other piece of this is that they're going to be like way they're like way capped out next year. Um, And like, we don't even know what's going to happen with the, the, um, the salary cap. And so I just think that that contract, I'm assuming Hayward opts in, especially after this injury that there's no way he's like opting out Mm -hmm. of that contract. So that, that like salary as an expiring contract is kind of the last chance this team has to like, 
you to like have a big piece of salary to ship out in a possible trade. I I mean, I don't know that they'll do it. And I don't know that there's going to be teams out there clamoring to get Gordon Hayward. Um, but, and, and he'll, he'll probably be good enough next year that you wouldn't want to just dump him as an expiring contract. But I do think if the right player becomes available, they're going to think about using that salary just because they, they don't have any other means of bringing in someone with a big salary. Yeah. So, what I have, you know, obviously Seth and I have talked about this, Evan, and the thing that I keep coming back to with Seth, and it's it's one of those just you don't know till you know, you can't answer it, so I'm only asking for your theory here, but I just don't see Danny doing it. And it's not to say that he is a different, like, really, I mean, truly, I wouldn't even entertain it if not for the fact that he traded Isaiah Thomas right after he gave like his body to the team after his sister died. Um, you know, and, and still it just showed, and I'm not faulting Danny either. It's just, it's a cutthroat business. It, he saw what appeared to be a good move and he made it. And I, and I think it's a move he would still make again today, even if he knew what the future was. And he's but, got a history of this. Right. I mean, he'll, yeah, he'll, he'll make the tough decisions. He'll, you know, he criticized Red Hour back for not making the tough decisions. We all know that. But I don't know. There's just – it to me, Gordon Hayward feels different to me. And maybe it's the bond with Brad Stevens, who, of course, just got the extension. Not to say that Brad couldn't get past it. He understands the business as well. But I just I, – I hesitate to believe – you know, it's one thing that if, if they don't re-sign him down the road. But I – right after another injury and what has just been a – not through any fault of his own, a bust of a free agent signing during his time here. It's I, I don't see Danny moving him this offseason, but do you do you disagree? It won't be in the I don't think it'll be in the offseason. But I do think like so I think you have to imagine a scenario where this is happening like after it, this isn't like immediately after Hayward's gotten hurt. But I What are you think, thinking like trade deadline next year? Yeah, or like in the beginning of the season. I just think like um, every year, we don't know who it's going to be, but every year in the NBA, some like disgruntled big contract becomes available. And I, I think that there have been times where the Celtics wished they had the available contracts to go get a guy like that. I think like, and, and for the past season or so, the only contract they've had that you could get anybody with was Marcus Smart, who I don't think there's any chance they're going to move. Yeah, he's untouchable. So, yeah, I mean, like, the only other contract they have that you could even, like, do anything with is Poirier, and, like, who's making, like, $2.6 million. So they just don't have any other means of getting anybody. But, I mean, the idea that Danny Ainge is going to be, like, sentimental or kind about this is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> no, Danny, Danny is yeah. cutthroat. He is yeah. ruthless, and if the opportunity were to present itself, Danny would trade Hayward in a minute. And I'm, yeah. and, and that's just, and that's why I love Danny. Um, I don't know if that trade will ever materialize. Um, and I, unless, unless they get, unless that Memphis pick conveys the next season, which I that's don't That's what think we're hoping for. That's what we're hoping for. Um, yeah. That's, let's, let's, yeah, and, we'll, find, and, we'll, and we'll know, we'll know very quickly, tonight. you know, the next yeah, couple draft hours here, tonight. Well, that's going to happen or not. But if, unless that pick conveys the next year. Yeah. Um, if it does, then my eyes get real big and it's like, okay, who can, you know, who can they swindle here? Um, it's just going to yeah. be a hard contract to move unless you have a team that's okay with taking on the, the salary and, and just being like, yeah, we'll write out Hayward till it's over. Um, but you know, a team, 
somebody that would value his, you know, smarts in the floor too. It's, he's, he's a, you know, a high IQ player. It's just been a snake bitten, you know, contract. It's just, been, yeah. it's awful. I, there's nothing you can do about it. I feel terrible for Hayward, but to say that Teddy wouldn't trade Hayward, I think is, I think, I think you know, you're lying to yourself, Adam. I'm just, yeah, I know. Right yeah. <laughs> you know, be you're lying Kaufman. to yourself. Be better. <laughs> yeah. Come on. He traded Isaiah literally after Isaiah, as you said, sacrificed his entire body. And by the way, thank God he did. Yeah. <laughs> That's why Boston will always be kind to Isaiah Thomas because Isaiah gave everything he had. And that's, that's all any fan asked for. Isaiah literally gave everything he had. Yeah. That season was amazing. That it was incredible. Was, yeah. That Miami game in December was yeah. like one of my favorite games of all time. It was yeah. just unbelievable. Yeah. Seth's so the series end in a sweep or are you going to give the Sixers one? I mean, I don't know. It's, it, it the honestly game one makes me think it could be a sweep. Like the fact that, it, that the Celtics won a game where they weren't making shots really. Yeah. I'll rebound it too. And like got re- yeah. So, I mean, it's possible, but you got to assume like, um, I don't know. I weirdly, I feel like there's going to be like a Raul Neto game. Like we, <laughs> we, we do sometimes do a terrible job against like guards that can like score a little bit in the pick and roll. Um, like that game where we got like lit up by Karis Levert earlier this season. I know Raul Neto's not that good. I could just like see, I could see a weird game where like Alec Burks or Raul mm-hmm. Neto. Or Shake somebody, Milton. Yeah, Shake Milton. Like goes off for 25. So I'm going to stick with Celtics in five. Me too. All right. With that, the, uh, as these guys mentioned, the 2020 draft lottery, it's tonight, 8:30 ESPN. Really all you need to know is that the Memphis pick is top six protected. It can only land at one of the five spots in the lottery, one to four or 14. The lottery uh, is, of course, deciding the first four picks. Grizzlies at one to four. Pick goes to the Celtics at number 14. Those are the options. So, And Memphis also is the 14th best or worst, depending on how you want to look at it, odds of moving up in the lottery. Thank you to uh, our pal Keith Smith for that information on the Celtics blog website. So that's about the one thing to watch for tonight. And then uh, more immediate I don't know, uh, enjoyment anyway, will obviously come in the form of game three tomorrow. And hopefully Celtics can uh, really take a commanding 3-0 series lead. But this was fun. This was a fun show. A lot of good info from Ben, my buddy Landman, dropping in to give us some flaming hot Gordon Hayward takes. <laughs> we'll, uh, you know, maybe we'll revisit uh, again next week, see where this thing stands. Maybe at that point in time, we're looking ahead to round two. I want to tell the people, of course, we want to thank our sponsors once again, betonline.ag and Manscaped. Betonline.ag, go there today for your free sign-up bonus. Get 20% off as well and free shipping with the code BEAT20 at manscaped.com. Seth, you should really look into this product. If I really need to. Yeah. I got this. I got the, the care package sent to my house uh, last year, and let me tell you, it's not bad. I, I have two of them because they sent one recently, and my wife says to me, she's like, we have two of these, and if if you don't, like, you know, put one of these into action more regularly, it's gone. Like, I'm just going to throw it away. Well, that's very, very unkind. <laughs> but... What are you going to do? You know, you got you to do, do what the sponsor tells you. All right, we're going to get out of here before we get ourselves in trouble by saying something wildly inappropriate. Seth, thank you for hopping on, buddy. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, go Celtics, and I love go that hat. Throwback, baby. Evan Valenti, I'm Adam Kaufman. Ev, let's do it again soon. Yeah.